In the eternal words of Obi-Wan Kenobi, hello there. Welcome to Central Sad, episode two or three if you're including the pilot. My name's Adam Radford in Valencia. Joining me all the way from Sandbach in England is Kieran Seymour. Hello there. <laughs> and from, I presume, Newcastle Underline still, Alex Najad. Hello there. I, are you still in Newcastle Underline, Alex? I've never left. <laughs> <laughs> Chaps, what have we been up to this week? Not a lot, really. Just standard lockdown life, really. Yeah, we've all just turned into really dull people who just go for walks. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with going for walks. Suits me fine. No, yeah. Um, no, I'm changing job in a couple of weeks. So um, wrapping up at work, which is fun. Really excited for a new opportunity work-wise. So... Yeah, just really looking forward to that, I think. Yeah, not not too much. Um, just trying to stay positive, not turn into an alcoholic. Yeah. Nice. Alex, what about yourself? <sighs> you know, this and that, really. Changing jobs in a, hopefully a few weeks. Mm. And uh, that was it, really. I mean, the weekend was just an excuse to like indulge on a couple of bottles of wine, get some gins in there as well, so... You get Harry Potter on a marathon. So I think that was that was my weekend. Presumably not mixing the wine and the gin together. These were always separate nights. I mean you can ah, you can only good. have Deathly Hallows part one and then the Deathly Hallows part two with, uh, with, the, with nice. the gin. We're not going mad, Kieran. Good God. <laughs> <laughs> I've started using a new technique, new in terms of new to me, of watching uh, The Simpsons in Spanish with Spanish subtitles. And whenever there are words that come up that I don't know, I'll write them down in a little notebook. I Google them at the end of the episode, find what they mean. I keep them in a in a Google Doc and then I'll watch the episode again now understanding mm-hmm. what they're saying. It's way more effective. So I've been here now for three months. And until a couple of weeks ago, I thought, oh, it's going to be fine. I'll watch Spanish language things with English subtitles. That's going to help me because I'll hear the words and I'll think of what the English equivalent might be. It turns out that that's a terrible thing to do because you're just lazy and you just read the subtitles. Essentially, your brain just takes the path of least resistance. So that's one of the things I've been doing. But yeah, just brushing up on some Spanish and applying to a few few jobs here and there. Same old, same old. This is going to be a rusty segue but uh chaps we're a, we're an international podcast in terms of listening Ooh. i know i know we're currently being listened to um in the uk as you would expect in germany oh. in the united states out in california cool the top listeners in terms of the, the city that is listening to us the most it, it's a village in the north of spain that i'm going to butcher the pronunciation of now Puente Nanza. thank you whoever uh, whoever's listening in Puente Dancer, I I am really intrigued to know how you stumbled across us, whether you're Spanish or whether you're a Brit abroad. I want to know. I want to know what's gone on there because, in my head, what's happened is one person, maybe an expat or something like that, has uh, been searching for a bit of lockdown political joy and stumbled across our probably a dad and of all the things to stumble into they stumble into our sorry Order. <laughs> so yeah so thank you everybody uh who's listened to us so far whether you're in the uk spain germany the united states or if if you're in another country by the time this goes out um on sunday morning and um yeah just a quick mention to social media we do need to try and post a bit more ourselves that's not on you listeners that's on us but we'll we'll, we'll keep working on that but you know what you can do anyway is give us a follow uh give us a a, a like on facebook a, a thumbs up follow on on twitter and 
and we're at centrist dads on both of them so very easy to find let us know if there's anything you want us to discuss as well we'll 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 take requests as any good dj would we will take requests so centrist at centrist dads facebook twitter get on it let us know what you think thanks brilliant without any further ado let's dive into our first discussion point of the of the fortnight alex what have you what have you got for us today so yeah it's been it's been quite interesting to to look on social media and in the media as well at the um at the the government's handling and the the perception that the, of the government's handling and whose fault is it is it their fault is it the government's fault of how they handled it um and i, I think it's it's an interesting one. I think it's one that needs looking into a bit more. And it's interesting when you link it to um, how Keir Starmer's approach to being Labour leader and uh, how he's how the message how the message is cutting through there. And I think it's I think it's one that needs further further investigation and um, uh, scrutiny as well on the on the on the government's part. So I mean, if you look at the evidence that there is, I mean, we've got the the late to lockdown in March twenty twenty. And Johnson dismissing the, the the nature of COVID and the impact COVID could have in the UK, saying that we're 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 ready for it and going around hospitals and going around shaking hands and showing off and dismissing it all. And I know also that Johnson has said that there will come a time in inverted commas for an inquiry of some sort. Uh, I remember at the time Hancock uh, in about April twenty twenty, Matt Hancock said that the. It's for the historians to look back on that he did everything that he could. Therefore, you know, scrutiny wasn't 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 going to be permitted in the government, and their efforts as well have been um, the government's efforts for suppressing the lockdown, re-stimulating the economy has refer- very often been botched. Sorry, Alex, just to cut you off there, what did Matt Hancock say about not scrutinising the government? If you look back on two news articles in around about April of it, it was at the, at the time, it, it was for the historians to look at and that he knew that he had done everything that he could have. Oh, order. Oh. It's that interesting, that Teflon Cameron-esque mentality. But if you look at those that were that, those that were self-employed and those who are self-employed and have fallen through the cracks of economic support, there's always a dither and dather of going back and forth on whether to offer that support, feeding children who are on free school meals um, it, whilst the pandemic is going on in uh, in half term and it's always a back and forth it's always very slow to react they're always caught um on the wrong foot really and mm. if you look at rishi sunak as well I and mean, he's one of the most popular politicians in a time of cynicism um and he's really not come under a lot of criticism and over christmas i was having a having a conversation with my girlfriend's stepmother and she was saying that he'd offered her no support as a self-employed person but mm-hmm. she thought he seemed all right and he seemed great and everything and if you look at the help to uh, the eat out to help out scheme there i think uh, warwick university did some uh, research and on the impact of help out to eat out and of covid cases the second wave that we saw in the autumn was mm. in part due to help out to eat out and this is someone who has just gotten away with with any form of criticism criticism when they're when their needs be criticism and he's widely seen as the next leader of the conservative party so i think it's 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 interesting there but we i think it goes back to the just to the point of any government would have struggled mm-hmm. um and yeah i i do buy that i do think that uh, any government would have struggled but if you look at the the evidence since 2010 since austerity and looking at things like diabetes obesity is it increased with the cuts there's been a correlation with that data which you can see yeah. 
where it's gone up as the cuts have been implemented. And looking at the uh, the Marmot, re- Marmot review of last year, health inequalities and people in poor health and in deprived areas such as Blackpool, Stoke-on-Trent, we've seen a rise in the cases of, of coronavirus and the mm-hmm. rise in poorer health. We were caught with a, a health crises um, and we were supposed to be prepared for this and we were told we were prepared for this but you look at um, how understaffed our NHS was mm-hmm. how the infrastructure in terms of ICU beds how uh, insufficient the ICU beds have been we, we haven't really been really that prepared for it just it was right for disaster though you can't foresee the big health crisis around the corner you can't ever judge a pandemic but if you look mm-hmm. at how the, the health crisis has been in 2010 since 20, since austerity has been since 2010, really the evidence is not on the government's side, really. And I think if you look at where start, you could say Starmer, he would have struggled. And God forbid, Jeremy Corbyn, what would have happened if he'd been in? I mean, we're no, we're no fans of Jeremy Corbyn on this podcast, as we might go into in subsequent episodes. But um, I, I don't, I don't, th- I don't think you could blame these people. And I think if you just, it's the evidence is there that successive Tory governments have cut the public realm for over 10 years now and have gutted large areas of the public realm. And it's a, it's a big challenge there for Starmer. And it's also that evidence really needs to be thrown at the, the thrown at the government. A couple of things that made me annoyed when people say, oh, like, can't blame the government on it. Firstly, the papers would sure as hell be blaming the government if it was a Labour government that was doing this. The fact that there have been ministers like Gavin Williams, how is Gavin Williamson in a job? I, I have no clue how he's in a job, how Pretty Patel's in a job, how how Chris Grayling is allowed outside in public. Like this this government is an omni shambles that has been allowed to get away with murder. The Prime Minister didn't sack his closest advisor when he clearly took order and drove up north for childcare reasons and then drove half an hour to test his eyes in the wrong direction, happened to be passing by a picnic site on his wife's birthday. Like, he still didn't sack Dominic Cummings when he should have done it, and the papers didn't hound Boris Johnson. The second thing is that we wouldn't apply this to another policy area, would we? We wouldn't say, well, it's not my fault that the town flooded. It's not my fault that it rained so much. Okay, we allowed people to build on the floodplains, and okay, we cut down all the trees in the catchment area, and okay, you know, we didn't dredge the drains or anything, but it's not my fault it rained so much and caused the flooding. Nobody would put up with that. It's nonsense. Mm. You know, there, there are some really strong antecedent conditions which have led to the UK having 100,000 people dead. And nobody's being held to account, really. Yeah, I think this question we're saying now, um, how much is the government to blame for the COVID deaths, is going to be the defining question that we will look back on in history and probably people will study at GCSE in uh, 10, 20 years' time. You know... My answer is extremely responsible. We have seen other countries manage to, Western countries, you know, um, developed countries manage to do a much, much, much better job than we have. You only have to look at Australia and New Zealand to, to really see that it can be managed. People say, you know, oh, don't buy that. Um, they're much smaller. They don't have as many people doesn't matter like south korea yeah south korea yeah and is it uh what's the other one in southeast asia that's done an amazing job is it taiwan most countries in southeast asia have done an amazing job and they've done a good job because they planned for this thing they learned especially in southeast asia they learned from sars and, and they dealt with it 
and MERS and they had everything in place. We didn't have anything in place, even though there was a report years ago that said we should have been prepared for this and we weren't. It was ignored. Uh, Australia, Australia and New Zealand, what did they do that we didn't? Very similar countries and they were all island countries. So in terms of shutting the borders, if you shut the borders, you can really stop it. And that's exactly what they did. And look where they are now. His own Home Secretary, Priti Patel, has come out and said she wanted to shut the, the borders in, in March last year. And we didn't. His own Home Secretary. That's embarrassing. Um, why weren't they if the Home Secretary said she wanted the borders to be shut? Shocking. The, the one thing of last year that I'll just never forget is him standing there in March saying, I've walked around uh, a hospital shaking hands with, with uh, patients that have COVID and I'm fine. It, yeah. That is irresponsible. And then he got it. And then he got it and almost died. And that, that is irresponsible. You are the prime minister. He is a good time, fun time, happy prime minister. He is not made for a pandemic. You know, I, I firmly believe this is, is the government's fault. I find it very hard to see how it's not. I actually had this debate with um, someone on Saturday night when I was a little bit uh, tipsy and on a Zoom thing. And uh, they were, they were a, a Tory supporter and trying to back him up. And I have real difficulty is, is this argument of, and anyone would have struggled with this. Yeah, they would have, but they're not the government. The Tories are the government. They are the governing party, so I don't care about what anyone else has done. I don't even know if I agree with that necessarily. I'm not saying it would have been an easy time for any government. Obviously, it's not. We heard a lot from from Boris Johnson and Matt Hancock how how this health secretary has overseen one of the worst death rates in the world and still has a job befuddles me. But they 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 were wheeled out every day at five o'clock and and they would tell us, oh, um, we don't want to put these oppressive controls on the British public or this sort of thing like we don't believe in the nanny state in this so we're going to ask people nicely first and then under under hushed tones when they don't pay attention we can then put in the controls and say well we had to do it because we gave you a chance and and you've order up and so now daddy has to step in and put in the controls they could have just jumped straight to the controls that's what they did in the isle of man 21 days ago and 20 days passed with no new cases it's a it's a center-right government in the isle of man it's not like it's an ideological split they could have they could have gone in hard in terms of the restrictions rather than playing this whole well we don't believe in big government telling you what to do it yes you do obviously personal responsibility comes in a long way but that you could say that about anything if only we could all socially distance it's only everybody didn't go to the pub if only we could all drive at the speed limit we wouldn't have speed cameras to stop kids getting knocked down outside of school there are things put in place because people are imperfect and it's the government i believe it's the government's responsibility to put those in place and i'm not talking about some orwellian controls that are happening in good times i'm talking about something that's killed a hundred thousand people and controls that could have easily stopped that i think that's the thing with sunak isn't it he's tried to have the best of both worlds hasn't he mm. he's tried to Restimulate the economy, get everyone out there eating out in restaurants and going to pubs again and uh, supporting retail and things like that. But you can't have the best of both worlds because our freedoms are then curtailed, really. The problem with trying to have the best of both worlds is you can't have the best of any worlds, really. So uh, I think that's that's with the with, with the sun at point. And also with what uh, Kieran said about Johnson being the good time prime minister and that he's just, his bags of fun and all this. He's like, oh, <laughs> We saw it last week at last week's Prime Minister's question. Johnson easily batted away uh, a question 
um, from Keir Starmer, who was trying to trying to grill him on the 100k death toll mm. uh, by saying what the country wants is parliament to come together and politicians to work to keep the virus under control. This is his ultimate con man tactic. He tries to do these things by saying it's not the government's fault, we need to rally behind them, uh, rally behind the flag and all this. He exploits this by saying such rhetoric. Mm. And I think this adds to some credibility with which I've been looking at. And it's the it's the works of Daniel Kahneman, a behavioral economist and psychologist who looks at the and his one of his his theses are on um people disreport disproportionately uh, remember difficult periods in their lives. Mm. How they do this is they focus on how it ends. The evidence with that, what I think Johnson and the government would like is to follow this theory of Daniel uh, Daniel Kahneman and exploit the vaccine rollout and say, well, wasn't it great how we rolled out those vaccines? Because they have done, they have been ahead of the curve on yeah. that for once. They had, they were able to procure before the European Union, who is our, who has now become our de facto enemy, really, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. For finger pointing and whatnot. It's very uncomfortable for Britain, Spain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I think I think I won't be surprised if Tory MPs and and the marginals at the next election and and Barry North and Bolton Northeast places like that start and and your Darlingtons and your uh, red cars start to put on their leaflets and on their social media. Oh, wasn't the wasn't the rollout wonderful? Didn't we, didn't we get through it? Wasn't it our greatest? Wasn't it our greatest moment since? Uh, the Second World War and all this kind of thing. And I wouldn't be surprised if that actually happens. And if you look, and there is evidence there that it has worked for the Tories in the past. In the 80s under Thatcher, the early 80s when she was unpopular, her government was very, very unpopular. Using the, the Falklands War to say it was our greatest moment, our moment of triumph and rejoice, 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 meant that she was able to go in and win a landslide. And we looked at in, when we look at 2015 under Cameron, the earlier part of that parliament was pretty shambolic the omni shambles budget uh all the austerity measures how unpopular the government was i mean one of the coalition partners was one of the had single digit polling figures at times mm. in the Lib dem and he still was able to w- win that with a majority and i think i think the tories will will hope for this to exploit the successful role of a vaccine scheme uh for 2024 you're, you're definitely right you can almost read it see it come in and it'll be combined with leaving the EU was the right thing to do because if we hadn't left the EU, we wouldn't have had the vaccine rollout. You can see it a mile off. It's it's 100% going to be what they do. Whether that is enough to make people forget about losing loved ones because of the way the government acted, that's the big question. And that's where I think this is slightly different to... Um, other other years and other governments um where like you've just mentioned alex you look back at the post world war ii election churchill was a a hero a national treasure he he you know he was the man that that guided us through world war ii and uh, led us to victory everyone expected him to romp home in the is it 1946 the next general election was 45. it 45? 45. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. 945 election. Everyone thought he was going to romp it. The country was celebrating. It was V-Day. It was victory. And what happened? They lost. Because they Yeah. Landslide. No one predicted it. But, but there'd just been that much suffering 
but unfortunately it just drives people to sometimes go you know what need a change and i think that'll be and i know i said this last week as well we've also got the the horrendous economic consequences that we're going to have to face of paying for covid and paying for the government's delay and decisions and what they 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 failed to do we haven't even got to that yet um and that you know unemployment's going to go skyrocket when when um furlough ends we're all going to be paying more tax in 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 three or four years time and uh that's not been done for a long time and if there's one thing people don't like it, it's generally paying more tax and if there's one thing that rich people don't like it's definitely paying more tax and if there's one thing the right-wing press don't like it's definitely definitely paying more tax so i think there's going to be a lot of consequences still to come but i completely agree alex that that um that by no means that by absolutely no no means does that mean that the, the the next government the next election is going to be a labor landslide not at all because um yeah there's a there's a narrative here that that could work for them um so it's going to be very interesting but we'll come on to the labor side of this i think in the in the next question the next part but yeah uh for me this blame fairly lies in, and i think my final point on this is is public inquiry are we going to see it before the next election because you know damn well Mr. Johnson is going to be putting that off and off and off as long as possible because he knows how damning that's going to be. And he knows, uh, you know, Dominic Cummings, a man who loves a little bit of revenge, public inquiry, you know, he can really, really stick the knife in. And, uh, you know, I, I, that's going to be fascinating. But if you look at a public inquiry and how these things play out, they... And the, you can just imagine now in the, in the TV debates of the next election, uh, Johnson will probably argue, will will argue to commit to one in the next Parliament a public inquiry. I think that's what uh, he'll look to yeah. do. And then when he isn't Prime Minister anymore, that's when the public inquiry can take place. Does anybody care about a public inquiry? I think it's important. Don't get me wrong. I think a public inquiry is necessary because of what happened and far more people have died than this country's resources and infrastructure should necessitate right so i'm not saying i don't care about an uh, an inquiry but does anybody really care about it when it comes to the ballot box because i think you're absolutely right kieran i think there's going to be this like nobody likes paying tax tories can campaign on freezing your tax or keep or keeping any tax rises lower than labor so what are they going to have to do? They're going to have to take money from elsewhere. My prediction will be they will say at the next election, vote for us and we will halve the international aid budget. I don't, I, just plucking the proportion out of the air for a COVID recovery fund or something like that, because that will be, I imagine, extremely palatable and certainly more palatable to, to the public than saying we're going to raise your taxes. In reality, international aid is a tiny, tiny portion of what the UK spends its tax money on not gonna not gonna be any left if they cut it again they've already cut no. it haven't they <laughs> but no yeah I, I get your point definitely and you could see them doing something like that i think on the public inquiry thing i think what's different about this one is the fact that it's it's going to involve people that aren't politicians it's going to involve sage it's going to involve your scientists who have no reason to defend the government or try and lie 
which obviously you're not supposed to do an inquiry, but we've all seen the tricks of the trade and what people do. And I just think, you know, scientists, they are very rational, logical people, and they will defend the science and their actions no matter what. So I, I just think it might be a little bit different, this one. The only other one I can think of that had um, such significance where similar things maybe happened is perhaps the, uh, the Leveson inquiry. And I think the difference of this is everyone will be interested and I think there will be revelations that, that do come out, um, especially from the early days in in um, in March last year. But I, I do see what you're saying as well. And yeah, I, I think Alex is, is probably right in that it will be announced to happen this parliament, the next parliament. That, that would be so Boris Johnson. Let's say, let's say there's, a, there's a damning... Uh, inquiry the government's response gets panned i think it's fair a few fairly easy tactics a few low-hanging fruit is to say wherever there's any kind of independent body to put the blame on them such as there is with with who gets vaccinated to attack labor and to go out on the attack and to make the excuses like well any government would have struggled and and ultimately it was down to personal responsibility no politician properly addresses these sorts of points because there's no answer because an inquiry is so thorough and has to have an awful lot of evidence behind it before it makes any damning comments in the conclusion that you can't rebut in a newspaper radio show question time soundbite you can't do it but you can say well how great was the vaccine rollout mm. like you said kieran which you said alex is how people may well remember this they won't remember the. do you remember there was supposed to be some sort of tracing app that never happened well beating twice world but sorry world beating app that twice never happened because the various ministerial mistakes the now looking back on it the eat out to help out it seems utterly bizarre yeah it It seems utterly bizarre we're six months down the line still in lockdown the the idea that six months ago people were being given a tenner off to go out and be in restaurants it was um and it's been proved i can't remember the percentage but it has been proven to have actually increased the the spread of the virus you know so stupid the other thing i want to say is something adam said uh, uh, alex said earlier as well about sunak and I don't know. I've just noticed that he seems to have disappeared a bit the last couple of months. I haven't seen him that much on the uh, the briefings and the me- the media doing the media rounds. He was much more prominent last year. I, I I'm interested what that's about. Is that because obviously he is the Tory that seems to be coming out the the best um, out of this um, so far. Is Boris Johnson pulling him away because of of, of uh, he knows that he's a threat before the next election? Is Sunak sitting back deliberately because he knows what's coming and or is it because dominic cummings went i I don't know i'm just interested what what's happened bold move resigns before he has to put in place any Uh. any austerity measures or tax rises and says the prime minister wanted me to do it i'm resigning or whatever that would be the leadership directly that would be a that would be a political checkmate move and a half that wouldn't it but then it, it's still a poison chalice but uh, but i do wonder wh- whether that could sort of protect his his legacy in some way I, and i also think the, the one other thing as well is i think as a, a country and and i think this is partly boris johnson as well you know his his hope 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 messages all the time hope 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 operation moonshot uh we'll, we'll have a normal christmas it'll be gone by easter constantly springs this false hope to the country and we get let down time again. And obviously now the big one is vaccines, vaccines, vaccines. We're not over the hurdle when we've vaccinated everyone. COVID's with us for life. It's not going anywhere. 
we 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 may have to socially distance for for years to come and have some some measures in the, in place to defend and hopefully the vaccine eventually is going to is going to make a difference we've just got to be very very careful about this as well and the government needs to be careful about this as well because and hey hey if we do manage to get get over covid and and we are on top of it fantastic everyone will be ecstatic of course he will but there's going to be another one of these that comes along uh, the impacts we're having on the environment um is leading to more viruses um crossing over through zoonate is it zoonation something like that is called it's got a cool cool little name of animals crossing out uh, viruses crossing from animals to humans zoonosis zoonosis that's that's an issue you know if you look at the last fi- uh, 15 20 years you've had covid mers sars ebola and uh, the one in brazil that that was having an impact on on babies zika. as well i can't zika remember virus. zika yeah zika virus that's five in the last 20 years so uh, there's going to be another one in the next three or four years and we've got to prepare for that we can't stand still and just accept covid's gone we'll be fine now we need to do what south Asia, southeast asia has done and step up our, our preparation massively by the way the eat out to eat out to help out was be- was between eight and 17 percent according insane. to university of warwick research of how much God, it impacted that's, on that's infections thousands of lives and it cost half a billion to implement that half scheme. a billion pounds to spread covid yeah brilliant use of money yeah uplifting message there kieran cheers mate um <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, so we we sort of touched on it a bit there, and obviously, Kieran, you said that we were going to park a certain topic to to jump onto in the second half. So, what have what have you got for us this week, Kieran? Uh, so uh, moving on to more positive. Is it more positive? I think it's more positive. I don't know. We we'll, we shall decide, shall we? We're going to go into now um, uh, a look at Labour, really, because we've spoken about the Tories and and how they've handled it. And last week we looked at what the future might hold for for Labour this year and. Really, I think it, it only makes sense to, to start here. Obviously, it's, it's not even been a year since um, uh, Keir Starmer's uh, uh, been leader. He obviously has had to battle trying to get headlines and um, and policy out there in the press quite severely given um, the the COVID pandemic. So it's, it's not been an easy start for him in, in terms of, of, of that. He's obviously had to deal with uh, the civil war in his own party and the fallout from Corbynism and the anti-Semitism review. So he's, he's not had an easy introduction, but he's managed to cut the poll gap by 20%. Uh, there was one out over the weekend putting Labour, I think, two or three points ahead. There was one out tonight, which had them two points behind the Conservatives. So it's really tightened up. But you'd think, given the 100,000 deaths and everything else, you know, should it should it be a little bit more? It's, it's tough to decide. That's what we're going to talk about. I've been impressed with his statesmanlike appearance I've been in, and, and demeanour. I think he does a good job of that. You speak to people, I've spoken to a lot of people that, that didn't vote for Labour in the last election and actually say, Keir Starmer, I don't mind him. He's all right. He seems like a prime minister. That's the first time I've been able to say that for a long time about a Labour leader, which is good. That that Those are the people that he is going to need to win over. I'm impressed with his approach to try and make Labour seem that they care more about the country and they're proud of Britain 
um, not ashamed of it, which I think under Corbyn, you didn't really get that patriotism at all. The, the, the strategy is clear to me that he is all about targeting those red wall seats that he knows he needs to win back to get elected because he isn't winning Scottish seats back. So it's all about the red wall and getting those seats back from the, the Conservatives. Where I'd like to see a bit more from Keir Starmer is to quote a, a Marvel uh, comic here. You know, I, I want to see him get a bit angry. I want to see the the incredible cult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Even quote. I want to um, see him get a bit more get order. animated. Yeah, yeah. Get a get a bit angry, Keir. It's okay. We 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 don't want to. We don't. We're not saying do what Jeremy Corbyn did and scream and shout and you know go well over the top with everything, but just a little bit more because. The difference is now that that's there in the country. That's that feeling is there amongst the electorate, and we need to see that more from 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 Keir Starmer. Not, like not all the time, but at the right moments. And I think that could have a real, real impact. It could really cut through at Johnson as well. Go go for those attacks on Johnson a bit more because the the feeling is there in the country to do that and take advantage of that. The other thing I'd I would really really like him to do and really like him to come on, out and say, and this links back to COVID. This would be such a good move to make is to come out and say, as a Labour Party, we our policy is to work towards zero COVID, zero COVID in the country. We will do whatever it takes to make that happen because I honestly think that's the only way you're going to get normality in society back in the next definitely couple of years so come out and drive it and really say we need to aim for a zero covid policy whatever it takes shut the borders um let's copy new zealand let's copy what the south asian countries that have done it so well have done there's no reason why we can't turn this around and and build build on the great vaccination that, that that's happened so that that's my thoughts on on zero zero covid whilst it's yeah should be the aim of everybody doesn't make me leap out of bed to vote for starmer investing in the nhs that have saved people's lives but that didn't have the resources that it needed and that doctors and nurses have been crying out for for years and years and years and we're going to deliver it to them it, you know it's one thing to go out on your doorsteps and clap but it's another thing to put your money where your mouth is so we're gonna we're gonna invest in the nhs and that might mean raising your tax by a penny on the pound and building back mm. stronger kind of what we've seen with with joe biden you know using this as an opportunity to say look like we've got we've got a sort of a once in a lifetime opportunity the economy has been order for a few years and we need to rebuild because nobody's talking about free markets at the minute. Nobody's talking about free markets when the government needs to step in and prop up businesses. Nobody's saying, oh, it's big government. It's interesting that you're saying a lot of people are saying to you when you speak with them about Keir Starmer, they're saying, yeah, you know what? I think I could vote for him because I need to remind myself every now and then that Twitter is not the general public because people <laughs> order hate Starmer who were big Corbynites. The sad reality is if, pe if people in the papers and, the, and Boris Johnson can ridicule leader of the Labour Party based on their appearance, none of the messages get through. Nobody's listening because your shirt's not tucked in or you're not singing the national anthem. And those things really stick with people, you know, on the doorstep. People didn't like Jeremy Corbyn. And so they're not going to listen to what he has to say. Whereas I think at least they're more willing to entertain that with Keir Starmer. I'd be interested to talk about what the route is with working with other parties, because the same people who are decrying Keir Starmer as being, you know, part of the, the Beige Brigade and a Tory sellout. He's not he's clearly not a Tory sellout. But if you're if you're not as left wing as Corbyn, then you must be a, a secret Tory, this kind of thing. Well then also having their Twitter handle hashtag GTTO, get the Tories out.
Well, you can't have both. You've, you've got to realise that not, not everybody is voting for the same reasons you are and is interested in the same vision of Britain in the future as you are. Or that maybe all the people that you spend your time talking with online, they've got to broaden their appeal. And what have we seen? We've seen a new leader broaden the appeal and they've skyrocketed in the polls. And if you really want to hashtag GTTO, then maybe you have to team up with other people because you've got to win over people who voted for the Tories. Because at the last election, the Tories garnered 44% of the vote. If you, if you think 44% of the British public are, are not worth trying to win over, then you're never going to win an election. Not in first past the post. Never. So my, my thinking is be brave in terms of the building back stronger idea, make a grand vision, some sort of Atlee-esque vision in terms of what Britain could be. And to do so, don't be afraid to cozy on up to other parties to do it because divided we lose it's as simple as that and if you're if you're in the if you're in the center slightly left or on the left your vote is split between labor lib dems the greens and if you're in scotland the smp and if you're in wales plaid whereas the tories have only got them and now the reform party that will pick up a handful of you know votes that they're not really going to be in the running i don't think but they're enough to disrupt the labor vote in those red wall seats it's interesting talking about because literally this afternoon, this evening, there's been a um, a leaked internal strategy presentation for Labour that's come out. Have you guys seen it yet? No, no, yeah. no. Yeah. Really, really interesting. So the, the headline is Labour must make use of the Union Jack, veterans and dressing smartly as part of radical rebranding uh, to help win back the trust of disillusioned voters. And that's obviously an internal document. So as a headline, I think that that's really interesting. And the whole thing is... As I said, um, I, I basically read this just when we were Adam was talking. I was listening, Adam. I promise. <laughs> um, what I was saying about those the red wall constituencies. Apparently, the party is calling those the foundation seats, and that's what they think they need to win to 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 do it. Apparently, the biggest thing with Starmer, and this comes back to the the incredible inc- incredible Starmer. <laughs> Let's call it the incredible Starmer slash Hulk. Uh, get more angry thing. What uh, voters are, uh, this general voters, not just Labour voters, what they see there's the biggest concern uh, with Starmer is him sitting on the fence and they want more from him. They want more off the fence and more uh, in your face. That's what I That's what I think will be the main response to what I've said in terms of like broadening the appeal. Oh, then it means you have to sit on the fence or how can you how can you sit on the fence when it comes to child poverty and not clearly not what i'm suggesting labor does there are injustices that i still can't fathom that we haven't overcome in 2021 and it shouldn't compromise on those yeah. but you you don't have to be a corbynite you, you like they don't they don't have the only solution to it and the only solution to it is on the hard left because it's clear because it's clearly not because there are countries that are that are not as far left as corbyn's vision which have better child mortality rates, better you know attainment rates at school, lower poverty rates, whatever you want to call it. There's, there's something within there that, that Starmer is somehow morally compromised. If you don't, if you don't believe in what Corbyn is saying, um, and I remember from when I was a member, you know, and I was a member for nine years. But if you don't back him all the way, there's something morally defective about you. I feel like you cannot win over voters who you are simultaneously accusing of being morally defective for being Tories and that the Tories are evil. Like you can believe what you want about the Conservative Party, but like it or not, 40 odd percent of the public vote this way consistently, calling them names, saying that evil or bad or that they they just don't care. You're never going to win them over. 
and you're certainly not going to win them over if you're not if you're not prepared to counter those easy blows you're not proud of britain you dress scruffily cross those ones off straight away like take care of those that is not the only strategy and i feel like he's being hammered online for washing down labor's values and focusing solely on his appearance and i don't think that's fair necessarily maybe i've not been particularly fair towards people who are criticizing him or towards corbyn if he's going to be able to form a government it's going to be with other parties and my position is if that's going to almost certainly be the case and there's a long overdue case for electoral reform in the uk why not campaign as part of your platform for electoral reform you hoover up some of the votes maybe you lock in some some support because i want to get the tories out and i think the best way of getting the tories out is unifying parties with as much in common as 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 possible like you don't need to have the brexit party reform uk in there as well and nobody's suggesting it you've got parties in the center and on the left uniting because they know otherwise under first past the post system their vote is split the tories will get in and kids will go hungry there that's my soapbox rant over sorry it's interesting you both you both uh, say that about what what was the the term used for the red wall now it's their foundation seats their foundation seats and adam you were saying about uh, the, the the attitudes of of corbynites and the the corbyn voters that are out there they're still out there uh, unfortunately i think there really is um that sort of reverence and that sort of following the the pied piper of islington really reminds me of the support for trump it really is red in the tooth uh they they really they, they really do support him and they they come across on twitter i mean i've seen on twitter they comment on twitter about anything i mean it's either it's captain tom moore how he was used as a puppet of the tory government or anybody else it's just this sort of sneering sanctimonious i know better i'm cleverer than you kind of like mindset but also i think but are are they really labor's core votes now aren't they are, are they really labor's base votes i mean those voters that are in the inner cities those metropolitan voters aren't they really the the core vote labor's core vote now not the the red wall voters are they have the red wall voters really shot themselves in the foot with that for is it is now labor is starmer really bringing himself into a battle in terms of um, having a very open immigration policy and adhering to more left-wing, more of the Corbynite left-wing uh, principles, will that alienate, alienate all those inner-city voters that have uh, that build up huge majorities in, like, uh, in a Hackney or Manchester Central or somewhere like that? We've got Keir Starmer as Labour leader. What does he have to do to not be sneered at by the people in his own party or who were very recently in the Labour Party and left because he became leader? Is there anything he can do? Is he is he irredeemable in the eyes of some? I honestly think the answer is just ignore him. Just let them do what they're going to do and say what they're going to say and crack on with getting the job done. Because if you pander to them or give them the time, it's just a, it's a waste of time because th- th- it's not going to win an election. But that's exactly what he should have done with Corbyn. Not suspend him. He should have just ignored him and let him rot on the backbenches. Instead, he, he's made him a martyr. That He should have let the man just... Ross on the back benches, ignore him, not give him the airtime, not give Richard Bergen the airtime, Claudia Webb, any of these people really, because they are they are fruitless. I, I think the problem with Corbyn was that it was such a public figure and it was anti-Semitism and there were so many... He, he campaigned with the leadership on not accepting anti-Semitism 
And what Corbyn did by refusing to apologize, I think he left him with no choice. Definitely take your point. I see what you're saying. Like that, that would have in some ways put him in the background. Corbyn's in a tight spot there though. Because if he apologizes, then ah, there's something that you're apologizing for. So you're recognizing you've done something wrong. Yeah, he's never gonna do it, is he? Many people wouldn't in that situation. I can see no. I can see why he did it in terms of a clean break. I can see why he did it with with Rebecca Long Bailey as well. I completely agree with you, by the way, um, that you just gotta ignore these people on Twitter because Twitter is not the country and nobody gives stuff what such and such on Twitter thinks when you're on the doorsteps. They really don't they really don't. No one ever learns after an election. <laughs> people people absolutely Duh. hammer Tony Blair and they want they want to they want to give Tony Blair the Iraq war. Him solely the Iraq war. He's solely to blame despite the Labour Party en masse. Um including you know people like Barry Gardner voted against further inquiries into the Iraq war and investigations into irregularities. That's the Labour Party that has done that, that has voted en masse against these things. Corbyn, to his credit, he was not one of those people. He's, he's been very consistent when it comes to the Iraq war. But the public, by and large, don't really care about the Iraq war anymore, surprisingly. For some people, this is what will come straight up whenever Tony Blair is mentioned, and that will be it. And I'm on about Labour supporters. But there was something very clear that was effective. He won a landslide. He won three elections. He introduced the minimum wage, which which benefited my family directly, and introduced grants for students, which benefited, which meant my mum could go to university. Like he did some really good things that nobody's paying any attention to because oh, it's the Iraq War. You've got nothing valuable to say, and you're a Tory sellout. That is Tony Blair's fault that his legacy has been poisoned. Ultimately, yes. that isn't. Jeremy Corbyn's fault. He's latched onto that. Again, like Johnson, he was able to just uh, play on all those things. Tony Blair would have been seen as a, yeah, a great ref- I think he would probably would have left about the same time as he did, but he was he would have been seen as a great democratic reformist prime minister, uh, which used business in the state in, uh, in equal measures. But no, he, he was the one that poisoned his own legacy, really. He went to, he made a decision to go back back George W. Bush into Iraq when there, were, when there was no um, weapons of mass destruction. Back to Starmer. He needs to really, I think he does really do tread carefully with his inner city voters because we, we don't, want to be in the, you don't want to be in the situation where he is piss, actively pissing off his inner city voters, which do, do amass huge majorities that do deliver Labour councils at elections. But he needs to really cut through on the... By the look at the polling as well, looking at the Lib Dem numbers, he's, he's, he's halved the Lib Dem vote. That might deliver him some marginals. He's looped in a bit. He's lost at least about 2% support to the Greens. That makes sense. That's, that's, that's going to be some of your, your, your momentum. Problem. But how does he really cut into that Tory vote? He's in a real bind because if he embraces the flag too much and goes for patriotism too much, I do fear that he will annoy the Gen Zers and the Millennials. We don't want turnout to be low for la- lower for Labour, and then that lopsided effect of they've alienated one group to get another one back. That's the, that's the but issue. That, but that's why I'm saying if 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 you have if you're on the left, or you know, and I'm I'm including anybody who's who is in the centre who can't bring themselves to vote Tory. If if you're somebody who's who's likely to go out and vote for the Lib Dems, Labour, Greens, and there is a single candidate representing all three under some sort of electoral alliance under some let's finally right let's Duh. grow up let's recognize 
the unfairness within the electoral system and how it punishes split votes let's unite it's not perfect but you will get what was it like clinton said about voting for the candidate who will get 50 percent of your policies but will get in versus voting for somebody who hasn't got a snowball's chance in hell getting in but would enact 100 percent of your policies it's the same with biden it's, it's exactly it's, the same yeah he built that coalition Yes, he has debts to pay now to the um, generally more left-wing and progressive sections of the Democratic Party, but he needed to get that base on side. And I do think he needs to make concessions. I think Starmer will need to make concessions to the more progressive um, elements, more radical and progressive elements of Labour's voting coalition. And I think if he can learn from the Biden win, Labour need to re- reframe their how they look at the Tories and how they give that messaging. They need to really just slam them down as they are reprehensible. Their attitudes are just reprehensible. They don't care. They're a fourth-term government, and they keep getting things wrong. That's what they need to do. And I think that's how he unifies the the, the left, the progressive area. How that? Yeah. He has to be careful when he does that, because when he does that, he's got to be saying, I, I'm talking specifically about the government and the voters, some of whom voted for the a lot of whom voted for conservatives. They do care. And yeah. they didn't want these sorts of food parcels going out. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. And I know that's not what you were saying. I'm worried that the pushback from the press that will never, ever be on side with Starmer versus Boris Johnson or versus a Tory, basically, um, will leap on that and say, oh, you're saying we're uncaring or whatever. I'm going to put my cards on the tables, guys. I think an electoral alliance with with a promise from Labour that we that this is a one election electoral alliance if we win we will implement electoral reform and you agree with the greens and with the lib dems what that will look like because i think that could potentially lock out the same 40 percent the same minority the same it is a plurality every election because it's not a plurality of opinion it's a plurality of party because this because the, mm. the center left and the left wins elections if their votes were counted together. So if you have a proportional system that dishes out seats in a more equitable way, the Tories can't just keep pandering to the Mark Francois and the, and the Jacob Rees-Mogg's of the world. I think where it's difficult is as soon as you start bringing in language like electoral alliance, electoral alliance and things like that, you just pan, you're playing into the, the Tories' hands there because you know the 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 rhetoric that you're going to get and the sound bites you're going to get is well, they're just getting into bed with the SNP. They're getting into bed with the nationalists because they want to uh, they want to break up the union. They'll just do that, and and that that's the danger of that. So while I agree, electoral form that could happen before the election, right? But but the thing is, if if there's an electoral, if there's an iris, ugh, I can't even speak. If there is an electoral alliance, and you're on the left you're probably not going to swallow this because you're going to think i've got some of that i really care about this coalition is it will win i'll take it even i'll take it even further in some ways i think what you might actually get and this is what gordon brown is pushing for and um trying to work with labor to move towards is actually saying the united kingdom needs to become a federal set of states that's what brown is pushing for because yeah you can't ignore the devolution factor anymore no. covid come back to where we started covid's changed it you can't ignore it anymore scotland's going to have a thumping majority in mandate for independence yeah. for definitely a vote and i think there will be something i don't know if it'll be an electoral alliance but i think there'll be something big like that that you're going to see where perhaps it is everyone else saying hang on 
the Tory, the Conservatives are doing this wrong. But my final point I want to make as well is coming back to point Alex made earlier as well about the open borders stuff and and immigration and, and I'll just go back to this report for for my final thing and apparently Labour last week had adverts targeting the foundation seats on social media with a union jack in the background promising to rebuild the country and they've also been targeted with forget this this is see i like what i'm about to say i like this from starmer i think this is the way you need to go um to, to have any chance of winning the election providing as has been mentioned you can keep those inner city voters or not annoy them too much red bull voters have been targeted with ads demanding the conservative government the conservative government get tougher on border control and I, i'm assuming that's that's related to, to covid but yeah. that, that thing you that's use the tories language that they use so don't say we need to cl- we need to shut the borders for covid it's that it's that rhetoric that you want to see starmer using in day-to-day language mm. the concern boris johnson you need to get tougher on border control mm. that's not necessarily something which would be the antithesis of of a Labour Party. It's certainly not something I'm comfortable with, especially as I'm in, I'm, you know, not in the UK at the minute, and I don't like the idea of closing borders further. But you have, you do have parties, Labour parties around the world, which are firm believers in having close, you know, more closed borders. Whether you're in Australia, New Zealand, Zealand, prime example, Denmark, Mm. who you know we hold up as being a paragon of of progressivism. You, you look at what the Labour Party said about immigration and integration and assimilation. If you if you had a blind test of which party said this and you showed it to people, they wouldn't guess the Labour Party. Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, I, it's not something I'm, I'm comfortable with, but I can't say it's a massive surprise. Adam, I, I was going to say, like, you know, if worse comes to it, then you can probably just move to the federal state of Scotland if you need to get back to the country. We'll see. I certainly can't get dual nationality. I can't, Spain and the UK don't allow it. Huh. Yeah, because of, you know, Gibraltar. But, um, uh, of course. I know. You know, all these things I feel like we could talk about for, for hours, but all good things must come to it. Let us know your thoughts, guys, Foe. Let us know your thoughts. Hit us up on social media when you've given this a listen. We have a grand total of 14 followers now on Twitter. Holy cow, 14. So we've almost got enough for a football team and substitutes. Follow us, at Kieran, if you've got any complaints. (laughs) Don't add me. (laughs) Don't add me. It's been great to chat, as always. So it's goodbye from me in Valencia. It's goodbye from Kieran in Sandbach. Goodbye. That was very whimsical. And uh, goodbye from Alex in Newcastle on the line. Bye. Hello there.